Attention everyone, this is an emergency broadcast. The unpleasant noise you are about to hear coming from your radio is not a mistake. Please do not turn off your radio, but turn up the volume on your receiver as high as it can go so that you can make the sound we broadcast as loud as possible. everybody's holidays are going fantastically out there uh, this holiday season. This is KaijuCast, episode number 48. If you never listened to the KaijuCast before, this is a podcast that's 100% dedicated to Godzilla and all of his rubber-suited foes. Like I said, this is number 48, and this is the Daikaiju discussion episode for Godzilla vs. Destroya. We do have some music to play, I do have some local events to talk about, and I also have some news to share. We're going to start things off with this Casey Kasem-like request, and um, I'm going to do a terrible Casey Kasem impersonation for you guys. <clears throat> it starts like this. This summer at G-Fest, I was blessed enough to meet and make an amazing friend who made an already wonderful weekend seem like a dream. Ever since then, we've stayed in contact, and this Christmas, she and her mom are flying all the way from Florida to visit for the holidays. It's a Christmas miracle if I ever heard one. As a gift to her, it would be wonderful if you could play the song Hoshino Yoni by an artist named Misha. It's the song that plays during the ending credits of 2009's Ultraman film Mega Monster Battle Ultra Galaxy Legend The Movie. I know she would love it. And that's for Danny. <laughs> uh, Danny from Ohio. So without further ado, here is Hoshino Yoni.
There you have it. Some music for you. Okay, so here's what we played just there. Uh, we started that off, of course, with, uh, as I said earlier, the request for Hoshi no Yo Ni, I think is how you say that. And uh, that was for Danny in Ohio. 
Following that, we had uh, Batra's theme for Sean. And then I figured uh, since this month was Godzilla vs. Destroya, it was uh, apt to play a little something from Destroya. And that was actually, um, that was from the Godzilla Perfect soundtrack collection, this massive collection of CDs that has a bunch of outtakes. And so what that ended up being was Godzilla vs. Destroya 2. And I think it was Take 3 or something like that. <laughs> and as I was listening to it, I, I kind of said to myself, man, we do not play a lot of the actual Godzilla theme, the classic Ifukube theme. So, man, I don't even... I think maybe it's been like since the first year since I've actually played something similar to that. So, oh, there you go. Um, but it's time to move on because class, once again, it is time for our Daikaiju discussions. Every month, the Kaiju cast will showcase one particular film from the giant monster landscape and task the listeners with submitting thoughts, questions, and reviews for the following episode, following discussion episode. <clears throat> I really don't know why I haven't recorded that as like a soundbite that I can just play every every month. Um, thanks to an online tool, I've randomly assigned one movie to each month, solidifying that this show will keep going for a long, long time. This month, we're talking about um, one of my favorites, and uh, you know, I'm an unabashed fan. I'm constantly talking about how much I love this film. It's one of my top three Godzilla films, like. Uh, in the Heisei series, this is my favorite. And um, this is the 1995 Godzilla vs. Destroya. And uh, I really, I could go on and on about why I love this film. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit about that later, I think, if I remember to do it by the end of the episode. Um, ah, what the heck, I'm just going to say it now. The uh, big announcement for 2012 for the Kaiju Cast is that I'm going to start doing um, commentaries on movies that uh, no one has done a commentary for yet. So... The only one that I'm going to do a commentary for that um, anybody has has already uh, traversed down that lane would be for Monster Zero, but that's just because it's my favorite movie of the you know the Showa era. Basically, uh, I'm going to have a few people over, and these commentaries will be available as just supplemental material. They won't they won't in, um, they won't infiltrate the RSS feed for the Kaiju Cast. It'll be Kaiju Cast commentaries. It'll have its own little blog and. I don't know, maybe six a year or something like that. I don't want to go too crazy with it. Don't want to burn out on it. It's supposed to be fun and informative. Kind of like um, I hope the Kaiju cast is for many people. But if you can't tell, I'm getting uh, way off track here. Getting back to the Daikaiju discussion, this 1995 film uh, was touted in Japan with the words Godzilla dies. So pretty much a giant spoiler alert right there in the uh, promotional material for this film. Tonight, uh, in quotation marks, because it already happened, we had Martin Vavra, who was uh, the very first Kaiju Cast guest ever, and we've often referred to him as uh, sort of having this Godzilla experiment happening, and he, he, he mentions it a couple times in this uh, discussion as well. Also, Cindy Okimoto, who works for Things from Another World, who's been a pretty much lifelong Godzilla fan, and uh, a Godzilla fan and a friend of mine, uh, the Mad Marquis from Critical Hit Burlesque joined us, and also Tiger, along with myself, of course. And this is how that went down. Joining me tonight in the studio for the Daikaiju discussion of Godzilla vs. Destroya, we have Martin Vavra. Hello there. And Cindy Okimoto. Hello. And uh, the Mad Marquis. Howdy. And Tiger. Holla. And we just finished watching <laughs> the film, and uh, we're basically going to sit here and talk about it and uh, dissect this in the discussion. Uh, whose first time was this? First, Mark, this is the first time, the Mad Marquis' first time of watching Godzilla vs. Destroya. Yep. And uh, so what were your thoughts? On, like, How did you like this film? Um, I mean, there was the obvious sort of aliens uh, homage, if you will, early on. Uh, and at first I was like, oh, look, he's using a steady cam harness for his gun. That's funny. And then I'm like, oh, and a motion tracker. And it's got a second set of jaws. Okay. I'm like, we've got too far now. We, yeah. We've we've passed homage and are just sort of gone into like creepy stalker, single white female territory now. Yeah. I liked that. It was like M16, check. Uzi, check. Alien ripoff, check. Yeah. Um, but I, the, the final fight scene was very satisfying. Like I, like I've said before, like that's for me the payout in these movies is the giant rubber suited throwdown. 
So, and it's good in this one. It's, it's, uh, and, and like I said, I think you mentioned when we talked about this movie once before that it's sort of reminiscent of, uh, the smog monster, Adora, that the, because of the way Destroyer changes shape and flies and does all this other stuff. And that was, that was fun. Cause that's always been, I think one of my favorite movies. That's probably the movie I saw most as a kid on cable. <laughs> a lot of people did see that film. <laughs> And so uh, highly requested black back in the day. Yeah, no, it's and and it's a relatively good one, even if it's you know got weird psychedelic drug scenes and stuff. Although it's also probably got the most scenes of just random people getting killed by monsters in it. Oh too. yeah, for sure, for sure. Because uh, the smog monster just murders the hell out of people. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so Cindy, you have seen this a bunch, I'm sure. Yes. 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 So uh, did you see this when it came out? I mean, obviously not in the theater, but shortly after 1995. Yeah. Though I did see it uh, dubbed the first time. Ooh. I know, I know. Oh, <laughs> gross. That's unfortunate. It really is. This yep. is like, this, in my opinion, the Heisei movies are the worst ones to watch dubbed. So being able to watch them subtitled is a, is a real treat. They have this on Netflix, and it's only dubbed. I was hoping there would be subtitles. but Yeah, you can also watch this movie on Crackle.com. Not like they're sponsoring the show or anything. Just you can watch it there. Uh, and then, so when you, like, now that you've, uh, I'm assuming it's been many, many years since you've seen it the first time. Is, have you watched it since a then? lot or have um, you watched it since then? This is probably my fifth time I've seen it, I think. It is, it is one of my favorites. No, oh, right on. Like-minded people. I love having them here. <laughs> And then, Martin, you watched this. This was one of the first Godzilla movies I actually watched with you. It is. This is one of the first. Um, I still consider it part of the experiment. So this was before the grand experiment began its roots and took <laughs> off and became what it is. It says pre-Kaiju cast, Martin Godzilla exposure. It is, yep. This, this was setting the foundation for the experiment. And I and it was it was much better this time around. Good, good, because you've had some exposure to the the mythos. It as did. It were. It, yeah. That's exactly what it was. So some of it made a little bit more sense. Uh, it, it made more sense. It was just a lot more fun to watch. This this was a lot more enjoyable. I I remember leaving the last time, kind of going. Ah, I was questioning, you know, and I had all sorts of issues. I. Even with the aliens rip off and uh, rip off and other things, I, I still had a really good like. This was just really fun. Cool, cool, and being able to watch it in this, um, you know, brag moment here, being able to watch it on a big gigantic screen with like really loud bass. Yeah, really just at the kaiju headquarters. Yeah, mm, I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> Seriously, like Destroya's, uh, his when he shoots his beam and it's got that like this really strong bass sound to it. it. You can't reproduce that with tiny little TV speakers. They do need more bass, though, I, I think, in the film. I noticed during a lot of explosions, I think they, their sound kind of lacked in, in yeah. places. Actually, one of the things I was thinking about when we were watching the film is I really hope that in the American film that eventually will come out, they get a really fantastic sound designer to yes. work on the film and let's make sure that when Godzilla is destroying buildings, it's the sound is almost terrifying mm-hmm. when it happens. That's just something that the the Godzilla movies in general, you know, as I've said before many times, they do their best, and unfortunately, it's not always fantastic. But uh, this is sort of the same thing in this film. There's a lot of explosions that don't have any real sound behind them. Godzilla seems like he should be louder in some scenes, but in others he's like extremely loud and extremely bassy. Sound, but anyway, they're, they're sort of a made-for-TV quality to the like fully mixing. Like you're not, they're not taking advantage of you know the the range that you'd get in a proper theater. It feels like it's just sort of, eh, you're gonna watch it on your TV. We don't have to try that hard. And and I've kind of wondered it lately. I've had a, a bunch of of Asian films that I've gotten a chance to see, and I'm wondering if that is where we've just been hyper hyper focused on so much of that in the American theaters that we don't realize what other cinema cinema experiences are because it's almost like we've been fed that ADHD aspect of 
not just the visual, but also the audio portion of that. Right. How how common is the sort of, you know, 32 speaker THX whatever set anywhere yeah. else in the world, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't think that uh, even, even in the newer Godzilla films, with maybe the exception of Final Wars, I don't think they were really overwhelming whenever I've seen them. And, and we're talking about stuff from, you know, 1999 on. I'd, I'd really like to see, like, even the Gamera series, which uh, Mad Marquis just watched those too. Mm hmm. Uh, I watched that in the theater in 1999 and I, I was like, Oh, this is so amazing. I love this. Gamera should be just a little bit louder. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, we need a, we need a kaiju movie with like the inception level sound work, oh, you know, that's yeah. just like <laughs> to, kick your, to kick your butt at every moment. Right. Yeah. yeah. To see, I'd, oh man, to see something with great sound design at the, like something like the Roseway theater with amazing sound would be fantastic. Yeah. Without a doubt. Uh, so tiger, you've seen this movie several times before. Yes, I have. And, um, and like, how do you, it's been a while since you've seen it, I think, right? Like you haven't seen this movie in the last like couple of years, I think. Uh, I saw it on Netflix, maybe, maybe one or two years ago. Oh, but cool. I only saw like half the movie because I, cause I think I was going through the dubs and I just couldn't control it and just said, I'm done. Yeah. So, the dubs are terrible. And oh, I'm sorry for everybody that watched the dubs out there, but luckily we watched a subtitled copy because, um. It's really the only way to watch the Heisei films. Those subtitles were hilarious. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, the subtitles, <laughs> I will say, the subtitles we watched were fan-made. They obviously were not proofread very much, so <laughs> there were some hilarious mistakes in there. The scientists are dumb. Yeah. Anyways, back on topic. Um, this is a pretty good movie. Uh, I thought the whole thing was, where it's like, Godzilla is dying is like this whole thing where it's like whoa and also you got these crab things that are walking around made of oxygen destroyer yeah i i love how they tied it into the original film i thought that was brilliant i i thought the whole gimmick of it's like you've got godzilla who you know adam bomb made godzilla that's the the standard thing right and then so you sort of come in full circle with the weapon they made to destroy godzilla makes this other monster and then right there right. you go and the cycle continues and you're you know you're screwed yeah yeah the the way that they the way they tied not just the the creation of destroyer but they also brought the actress who played uh, Emiko Yamane back for the uh, for her reprising her role as Emiko uh, even as you know as brief as it was I thought was was lovely the green screen effects weren't that well I mean like because like there's the part when destroyer picks up uh, Godzilla at the airport which kind of sounds funny um, and there are people. <laughs> Uh, and there are people in the terminal. Yeah, we and, there were you know yeah. the the Heisei movies actually I don't know what the deal is with that they they suffer a lot from that I think because maybe maybe because the the miniature work isn't as detailed because Godzilla Godzilla's scale is different they had to rely I think maybe they had to rely on matte shots more. Well, and it kind of looks like it's sort of just stock footage of the airport, like nothing strange is happening. I'm gonna get on my plane now. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's not a. There's not even like panicky people for the most part. Yeah, but I find, I did find it weird because they they built the full the full set of the airport even with planes on the runway. So maybe I don't know. I'm not sure how that that all went down. But to be honest, that plus you know when Godzilla is destroying Hong Kong, and I think well. Uh, while Godzilla was walking towards the Haneda airport, we said, oh, hey, um, aren't they supposed to have evacuated Tokyo? Why are all these people driving both directions? Yeah. Yeah. It's typical Heisei oversights. I think uh, they might suffer a little bit from that whole, like, yeah, we don't know if people are going to be really watching this that much in the future. When clearly nerds are totally yeah. watching it over and over again. <laughs> Uh, like myself, so let's uh, let's talk about some of our favorite stuff in the movie. Um, the Mad Marquis. What was your favorite aspect or part of this film? Um, probably. The, I, I mean, again, for me, it all comes down to like the the fight scenes, right? So probably, and and it, I commented on this when we watched uh, the last Gamera movie I saw, which was one of the really early ones. Uh, the I was surprised in that movie that there was like an impaling scene with Gamera getting stabbed by the head of the squid monster thing whose name escapes me now. Uh, Gyrus. Gyrus. There you go. 
And uh, they and I was like, yeah, I don't recall ever seeing that in one of these movies because normally they don't mess up the suit. You know, normally the injuries are like very topical. You know, right, it's like right. we threw some paint on the suit and right, that's the injury. Yeah. Um, and uh, the same thing happened in this movie though. Like uh, uh, Godzilla Junior gets impaled pretty egregiously and has a big freaking wound for like the next ten minutes of that scene, which I thought was pretty pretty cool because normally you know actual sort of visible injuries and blood. Or if there's blood, it's like crazy colors, like Destroyer's blood was that bright neon green. Right, dude. yeah, yeah. But, I mean, you know, Godzilla Jr. was clearly like red-blooded and, you know, terrestrial sort of normal animal blood. And that was that was pretty impressive. That was a that was a neat thing to have, which you just don't see very much, or at least I haven't seen very much in these kind of movies. Yeah. What about you, Cindy? This is probably one of my favorite Godzilla suits. Mm, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Um, I love the suit. I actually like uh, Junior's suit also. You know, I think I saw this film before. I think I saw the actual, like, a. okay, so I've, I've said this before, but the first time I ever saw this film, it was right after it came out, and I saw a theater bootleg copy of it. So there were no subtitles, and I don't think I even saw any promotional videos or trailers for it. I just remember popping it in and being like, what is going on with this Godzilla? He's pulsing red. He's pouring smoke out from his shoulders. He looks awesome. Uh, it's definitely, I want to say like, it's, there's a, it's just a tie between the burning Godzilla and the uh, Godzilla Mothra King Ghidra version of him. Mm -hmm. But there's just something about that glowing, smoking, dangerous looking Godzilla in this film that I absolutely love. And I yeah. totally agree with that. How about you, Mr. Director? Yeah, the the suits were fantastic, and I loved the glowing Godzilla and the the smoke that they had coming out of there. But I have to say, I actually liked the the Godzilla Junior suit better. And you know, when when Godzilla Junior is in the ocean, he's doing all of his traveling and everything. I think that's pretty much an animatronic, or um, I'm not sure how much of that is suit and person. And then we we saw where it does cut to other animatronic and stuff. But right, right. When it is a person in a suit and and battling Destroya, there is something about the stance of the person in the suit and how it fits them and the way they're moving through that cityscape <laughs> that is really really good. Um, he's not completely vertical in the way he stands. It it looks very dinosaur like in the way that all of that movement and all that stance is and that shot where destroya like blows through a building and junior is on our side on the camera side of things that building explodes and just completely engulfs him in that shot and everything man it was that was fantastic that was awesome. a great shot very cool good comments man yeah uh junior in this film is uh is essentially the the progression where, you know, if you kind of have to ignore what happened in Space Godzilla. Um, but, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, this is a Space Godzilla. So, but, uh, I mean, he's essentially halfway between a Godzilla-saurus and what Godzilla looks like. And mm -hmm. it's, it's definitely like that sort of progressive missing link step in, in the Godzilla development. I wonder how much of the fact that the suit just looked a lot lighter because it was, you know, didn't have the giant rack of sort of stegosaurus plates down the back. Yeah. Like how much that contributed to All the, the glowing actor. gear and, you know, the, how and much the smoke vents. <laughs> more freedom did the actor have to move in interesting yeah. ways because the suit weighed half as much or something. Mm -hmm. Right, you know, it's right. Like, like the Destroyer suit, which is clearly just ginormous, right? Like yes. that guy yes. did not get to do very much physical acting other than stand open mouth occasionally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had a couple they of probably listeners had suspension actually wires. mentioned that too. Yeah. They were like, yeah, Godzilla. I mean, Destroyer's bulk really just exceeds what the actor can do with it. Mm -hmm. I mean, he, that thing's got to be nine or ten feet tall at the head and then more with the wings. It's got to weigh a friggin' ton. He's got, I, I doubt he can move. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely, absolutely. Um, so have you figured out something that you really like about this film? Um, I, th I thought the um, – do Destroyers have, like, a certain name? Like uh, Well, the Crab Destroyer? Yeah. Yeah, the, yeah, the aggregate stages of Destroyer. I, I guess you'd call it, like – the initial one would be the the first version of the crab, and then the second one would be a just larger version of the crab, and then there's um, sort of like the flying version as well, well and then the the final form. Can't remember which one it was, but the one that sta uh, stabbed uh, stabbed Godzilla Junior. Oh yeah, that's the that's the 
That's the sort of second stage crab version, yes. Had like that weird uh, thing with... Like, with his mouth? Came, yeah, it came out like, kind of like the tongue The of alien jaw, yep. Yeah, I just thought that, that really reminded me of Alien. I'm like, oh, well, it's obviously a ripoff of it, or... Yeah, <laughs> I you know, and I was saying this before. I think a lot of the Heisei films sort of just liberally pull from other films. I mean, we were watching Godzilla versus Mothra, and they're very, very strong. Uh, let's just say homages to Indiana Jones, and we watched um, you know in King Ghidra. Cindy, you can attest to this. There's a lot of Terminator-esque sort of stuff, like with um, M11 running yes. after the, 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 the car and stuff. It's just, I kind of think that, you know, American films are such a big deal over in Japan that, that if somebody can pull something from that and, and make it work within their story, and, you know, maybe make it work is in quotation marks, <laughs> but uh, if they could do that, then, then they'll, they're just going to do it. Uh, I thought Super X3 looked really cool. Yeah, Super X3. And like the whole cool. thing where it's like, we can't use uh, like missiles, we can't use bullets. Oh, excellent um, point. Excellent we, point. We have to use chirogenics. Right, yes. it's. I mean, it's kind of ridiculous. It's that whole science fiction thing, like cold lasers, I, really. But yeah. still, like the idea that you can't, Godzilla's going to melt down. You cannot actually stop him. As an aside, though, somebody smack that like general around. It's like, when have bullets, bombs, or anything else we have tried work anyway? Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, so you shoot at him, he blows up your tanks, and continues on with what he's doing. It's not like the crap that you want to try worked before he was going to explode. Why is it going to work now? Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> and and uh, a really good point that the marquee made earlier uh, before we started recording was. How do they get anyone to sign up for tank duty? <laughs> how, how do they get anyone into a tank <laughs> after like 1955? How does anyone ever get into a tank so again? <laughs> Maybe they just don't tell. Don't they? Don't tell the guys what they're doing. Time for some routine uh, patrols, you guys. There's no news. There's no newsreel footage of the Godzilla attacks. It's all edited to exclude the tank stuff. Right. Yeah. These guys wake up in tanks. Maybe, oh man. Maybe, it's a, uh, maybe, it's, they, maybe they lie to them and they yeah. blind their tank thing and say this is a simulation. Oh, the simulators. Don't look. Well, uh, let's go ahead and move on to what we didn't like about the film. This is um, now this is going to be the shortest part of our talk because it was the perfect Godzilla film. Just kidding. Um, I think I'm going to go ahead and start. Uh, my biggest beef with this film is whoever was doing. I, I can't remember the director's name, but I just don't like his his human direction. And um, he does, he makes some choices. I don't know if it's him or the cinematographer. Uh, case in point, when I believe the kid says that Godzilla's going to melt down, they start the camera way back in the middle of the UNGCC uh, conference room and they zoom in super fast. <laughs> the, to the Sergio the Leone yeah, like, <laughs> spaghetti western and shot. And he's like, meltdown? <sighs> And then half the people in the room repeat meltdown too. Like right? It's, yeah. It's to me that's the kind of thing that just it almost kills the movie for me. Is the the uh, the human direction? I don't want to say the acting because to be honest, I can't. I really can't say whether the Japanese actors did a good or a terrible job of uh, because I don't speak Japanese and we're watching a subtitled version. Um, but the direction therein, I just not not a big fan of it. Martin, if you had to point out just one flaw from this film, what would it be? I I tend to believe this one this one lost it for me in in a similar way to some of the others, and it's in the big action sequence when the big fights are going on and they start moving things in slow motion, and I think they're trying to get that whole very large feel of things so like Godzilla tips over really slowly or you know some things are slowed down and I don't necessarily ag agree with that as a as a point to use I, we, we've gone through so many shots to prove how big Godzilla is I don't think that slowing the shot down because really what it does for me is it slows the pace down and it slows the action down um, so I, I haven't appreciated them and, and it just it became noticeable because there's so many shots in this where the action is really good. Mm -hmm. And then there's this lumbering teeter over. And yeah. it just, I, I don't I don't find it necessary. Cindy, how about well, you? 
Yeah, I I agree with Martin. The this what looks like sl- intentionally slowing down scenes of Godzilla falling, toppling into buildings, buildings falling on him. Eh, that might have been a little too much. Uh, that and those green screenshots, like the one you mentioned of the airport. You know, there's a big fight going on in the background. You can see people casually walking down a little concourse thing onto their plane. <laughs> yeah, eye stock. Yeah. <laughs> well, that that shot of you know the the traffic. If the traffic had only been in one direction, fleeing it would totally, from the monster, exactly, yeah. that totally would have been worked, fine. But, you know, in all fairness, no one ever really adequately runs away from the giant monsters in these movies. Like none of the main characters ever run away. <laughs> the people on the beach, perfect example. Somebody yells, "Everybody run away!" and they take one step and turn around and look at the monster. <laughs> I mean, it was a perfect example of the fact that no one actually flees well, the now, giant monsters in yeah. Japan. Now. Justifiably, those guys can't because we saw what happened earlier when people were fleeing on the boardwalk. Some dude dumps his hat, somebody else snags it. You drop stuff, it's a yard sale. So that, people that, are freaking losing stuff. That girl with stuff. her kid totally stole his hat. Yeah, that was true. Yeah. Oh. But yeah, that was a perfect example. Everybody run. One step. Turn, yeah, one step. Look, it stop. was perfect. <laughs> Hopefully the subtitling was bad and it was not nearly as ridiculous in the original, but <laughs> maybe the guy actually said, everybody take one step back. Or said, hey, everybody look, Godzilla, that's awesome. Yeah, 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 everybody, that's totally reasonable. give him a little room. Yeah. <laughs> well, in all fairness, he wasn't being all that threatening or anything at that no, point. Like, Godzilla Jr. was kind of chill, so it's okay. Yeah, except he ruined that sandcastle. Uh, yeah. Anyway. It shifted like they had someone buried under it. <laughs> it's just an oxygen destroyer crab. That's right. Uh, so what about you, Mad Marquis? What, if um, you had to choose like one one aspect of this film that you'd, you can maybe just kind of like get rid of or, or change sure, or something um, that didn't, you didn't jive with you. And this may be me sort of nitpicking the uh, a genre convention of the kaiju movies uh, that I'm because I've seen it a lot and I sort of feel like I have this a similar issue with a lot of the movies now I feel like the pacing of the first act is always really lots of build up lots of nothing yeah and it's like I'm here to see some giant monsters do some you know I mean I'm not I'm not here to watch that's okay. I can I can edit that. All right. I'm not here. To see, I'm not here to see giant monsters mess up Tokyo. I mean, that's my. They're gonna mess up a city. Right. There's gonna be explosions. That's the gimmick, right? That's the appeal. Yeah. Um. And and again, I, I and, and after watching the the Gamera movies, you loaned yes, me too. Yes. They follow that exact same convention. So I think it, I really am starting to feel like it's a genre convention that I just disagree with. Um. So I feel like the pacing is is not great. Like it's it's a whole. It's like. Okay, so this is the what? The fifth or something Godzilla movie in this series or something? Well, this is the last, so I believe this would be seventh. Right. So why are we waiting to see Godzilla? You know, why are we waiting to see Godzilla do something? It's like Well, we don't. No, we see Godzilla we see swimming. Destroy, no, we see him destroy Hong Kong in the very beginning, which is Which is pretty good. But then there's a big gap after it's that. Super awesome. Yeah, As no, no. That, who that lived is good. in Hong Kong. Yeah. I can tell you that was thrilling to see. But there's a big gap after that though. <laughs> we sure, all had sure. to take a step um, back. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and and sort of and this sort of like I'm gonna sort of bookend that with a, a side complaint as well. Um the 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 guys tracking down the first stage crabs, the yeah. little crabs, the sort of aliens homage scene, sort of played into that because they went for that. They suddenly switched into this. Ooh, it's dark. Let's be tense mode, and it didn't really feel like it fit the th- overall flavor of the movie because it was sort of a sudden shift in genre to the whole sneaking around in the dark with monsters thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and 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 so I just felt like the pacing was way off in the whole first like I don't know maybe forty five minutes or hour of the movie. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I'm gonna address what you what you're saying here about the pacing and and the it being sort of a kaiju convention in a sense. Um, I agree in the fact that uh, th- these movies, they're none of them are perfect, and uh, a lot of them suffer from some of the same issues. This I think it's one of those things where Japanese filmmakers they make movies a certain way, and uh, they don't necessarily have the same sort of um, sensibilities that it, that American filmmakers that we're like, sure, you know, we're sure. we're used to watching. American well, I mean, they're working stuff, from a slightly different box of tropes, exactly, which is okay, and that's why I think it really is a genre convention that I just don't like. Yeah, which is fine. I mean, whatever. But yeah, I think even when you do have monster action in the very beginning of the film, and you know, obviously, you cannot film. Unfortunately, you cannot fill an entire two hour or hour and a half film with monster action. Unfortunately, unfortunately. <laughs> 
I think it's pretty obvious that, you know, you have to add human interaction there. And uh, it's just one of those things where for me, I just kind of, I think I've learned to just go with the flow and roll with the bunches. And some movies start off with a lot of monster action in the beginning and then have a big long lull and then a lot of monster action in the end. Some of them, some of them start out and there's nothing for a long, long time. Uh, Monster Zero, which is one of my favorite films. I don't even think the first monster action happens until like, 30 40 minutes into the film yeah that's one of the rare ones i've actually seen of the of the older movies and i, I definitely remember it. there was all the alien plotting the hey we need your help because monster yep. zero is kicking our butts yep um yep. and there's you know there's yeah like 40 minutes of that tiger did you have anything that you just really did not like about this film that just kind of stood out and- absolutely um there's this one thing where it's like a cam it's a camera shot of i think godzilla jr and he's just kind of walking on the beach acting all kind of Kind of just kind of doing stuff. Then all of a sudden, it just cuts to Tokyo and like Destroya is attacking it. And basically, it's like, oh, look, a cute little Godzilla. Oh, look, there's a giant monster. Yeah, actually, you know, I did no, I did notice that as well when we were watching it this time. It may have been the first time I actually noticed it. There was no sort of like establishing shot to say, hey, by the way, here's what's happening in Tokyo. It just kind of like cut immediately to Destroyer. Um, so let's go into final thoughts. Uh, Martin, final thoughts on this film? Is this something that, I mean, obviously you had a lot better time watching it this this time than you did the first time you saw the film when yep. you did not have a lot of Godzilla exposure. So how do you feel about showing this to someone who's brand new to the genre? Enjoyed it, loved it, show it. Really? So yeah. you would show this to somebody who hasn't seen a Godzilla film before. All right. Absolutely, yep. Good to know. Cindy? What Martin said. Uh-huh. I would definitely encourage people who have not seen Godzilla to watch this one. It's a good one in my opinion. So Marquee. Uh, yeah, I basically agree. I mean, um, the, the, the final fight scene was great. I mean, it was a super good fight scene and uh, both Godzilla suits, the Godzilla Jr. And uh, burning Godzilla look phenomenal. And I love the way burning Godzilla looks as everybody else said too. Um, and destroy various sort of stages are at least interesting, if not always as cool as the Godzilla suits. Um, so yeah, great movie. Good, good, nice. What twenty minute block of action at the end that was nice and solid. Oh, yeah, for sure. So yeah, no, no complaints. I mean, and you know what, my the pacing complaints or whatever, you get over it. Yeah, Tiger, do you have any final thoughts about the film? Um, if I was to show this to someone who has maybe seen one or two, I'm, I'm, I'd show them. But if it was someone who never seen a Godzilla film, I'd probably not because there's a lot of stuff you need to know. Like oh yeah, the backstory. What's the oxygen destroyer? What's the what's why is what's this, this little kid? Uh, so just real quick, Marky, you had not seen any of the Heisei films before. Uh, well, except for '85, I guess, oh, okay, which I right didn't on, even yeah. know was one of those films. Um, I, I actually think that the film itself, during the relatively slow buildup, did an okay job of setting the. Here's what you need to know that happened before. I, I felt like it did an adequate job of it, sort of informing the audience. Because, um, you know, while I'm sort of aware of the Oxygen Destroyer, it's not like I know all the details or right, right. who invented it or I'd forgotten that he killed himself till it came up in the movie. Um, yeah, at least it, they show that. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I actually think they did a perfectly reasonable job of recapping the relevant bits. And that actually didn't take very long. They paced the recap really well. Cool, man. All right. Well, I think I'm going to close out by giving my final thoughts. Obviously, this is uh, what I often say is the, my favorite of the Heisei films. and. Uh, one of my favorite Godzilla films actually of all time and uh, I would absolutely show this to somebody like clearly I showed it to Martin after he'd only maybe seen one or two Uh, so I would show this to somebody who had never seen a Godzilla film I find it to be extremely high quality even though I have a couple of beefs with the human direction and in general I would just you know I I want more people to see this I really Uh, I really hope that when we get sort of closer to an actual release from Legendary Pictures, somebody picks up the ball and starts releasing these when, you know, high quality versions on Blu-ray. That would be my I would love to see an excellent high definition quality of this film, even though what we were watching tonight was uh, was actually sort of a high definition version from Japan. I uh, I I really could gush on and on and on about this and maybe uh, maybe. People will hear me do that uh, next year when when I announce my my big uh, upgrade to the Kaiju Cast. Uh, we did get some user submissions, so let's hear what everybody had to say. Cameron thinks that Godzilla vs. Destroya has to be one of the better, if not the greatest, of all the Heisei films. 
It's, pa- uh, it's paced very well, and the monsters all look amazing. His favorites are Junior and Destroy's final form. When Cameron was younger, he would play Godzilla Destroy All Monsters Melee and say Destroya was too fat to fly because he hadn't actually seen the movie at that age. It's a great way to finish off the Heisei series. The first thing the mayor of dinosaurs has to say is that the burning Godzilla is his favorite Godzilla design. It's not only badass, it's a clever and creative progression of the Godzilla concept. Of course he'd melt down. That's great, and it makes him more powerful, but it's killing him. He also liked the development of Godzilla Jr. at first as a mystery, like where is he, is he dead? And then the realization that he's changed, becoming a true monster like Godzilla. Junior held his own during the fight with Destroyer at first, and finally, of course, the awesome backlit final shot where, he's, where he has absorbed the dying Godzilla's energy and taken his birthright as king of the monsters. Destroyer is one of his favorite Heisei designs, sorry, his favorite designs, and the mayor really gives Toho credit for uh, trying such a huge and complex monster. Much like Godzilla melting down, he loves the idea of turning the oxygen destroyer into a monster. Kudos, Toho. Additionally, the film features some of the deliciously worst acting in the whole series, and that's counting Megalon. He also thought about the line, wanting to be an ordinary girl with a husband and kids from Meru. That, that was sexist and lame, but you know, other cultures. Finally, the mayor likes the overall point being made that discovery cannot be controlled. Sarazawa was noble to sacrifice himself, but it was ultimately in vain. Since the information, the phenomenon is still there in nature for someone to discover. It eventually will be. Paul thinks that this is a very good movie that ties in well to the original 1954 film, and it is fit a fitting end to the Heisei series. This is truly Godzilla in his most menacing form, particularly during his attack on Hong Kong. Destroya is a worthy foe, and the junior Godzilla is also a well-designed kaiju. Godzilla vs. Destroya is a mixed bag for Steven. The story leaves a lot to be desired as it only makes a passing try at being ecologically relevant. The constant references to an oxygen destroyer and micro-oxygen get confusing and don't hold up to basic scrutiny. Then there are multiple scenarios of Godzilla's demise ending the world, each with its own flaws scientifically. The monster suit designs are excellent. He is one of those fans who enjoys the metamorphosing kaiju that Godzilla face, and destroy as many incarnations are some of the best in the entire Godzilla bullpen. Burning Godzilla and Godzilla Jr. are also great. The city scenes are done well, meaning he loves the model work, and uh, the end battle at or near the airport had Steven wondering how did they shoot that. It must have been a massive stage to fill uh, that set in it, especially for some of the aerial shots looking down on the battle. Finally, he had trouble with the flying versions of Destroya. The lack of any movement for the wings made actually having wings seem pointless. This is true of most flying kaiju, with wings at least. They rarely flap. Even when they do flap, there would not be enough lift to, uh, to fly such a large creature. They're basically levitating, and it pulls him out of the story. Enjoyable nonetheless, he would love to have seen it in the theater rather than on his iPhone. Godzilla vs. Destroya is one of Ben's favorite Godzilla movies for several reasons. One, it has Burning Godzilla, his favorite of Godzilla's suits. Two, he loves the connection to the first film with Emiko and the Oxygen Destroyer. And three, Junior looks great in this movie, and he would have loved to see more of Godzilla Junior. All in all, it was close to the, a good close to the series. The only thing Ben felt uh, was weak was the threat of Destroya. He loves the creature design and thinks he's as cool as all get out, but he's not uh, able to put up a good fight. He would have rather seen Godzilla deal the fuck. He would have rather seen Godzilla deal the final blow instead of the JGSDF. Although Bob Johnson of Sci-Fi Japan prefers Godzilla vs. Biolance and Godzilla vs. King Ghidra, Destroya is a close third and definitely a step up from the previous film, Godzilla vs. Space Godzilla. The film is a mixed bag, though. The effects range from excellent, Godzilla burning and ultimately melting down, to the poor, like the Legion of Bandai toy versions of Destroya in the one scene, uh, matte shots during Godzilla's rampage through Hong Kong and Destroya's movements in the final form. The final form of Destroya is just too big to really be mobile, and it shows in the battle scenes. As Destroya flies through the air, he violates all laws of physics, and once again, FX director Koichi Kawakita doesn't realize that to fly, you gotta flap those wings. On the plus side, the characters are engaging and well-played. It's nice to see the tie-ins with Godzilla from 1954 and Doctor uh, with Dr. Yamane's grandson and, of course, 
Momoko Kochi reprising her role as Emiko Yamane from the first film. Unfortunately for this movie, looking back, it came out at the same time Shusuke Kaneko's Gamera trilogy was still playing in theaters, or when it first started in theaters, and it pales in comparison to Gamera through Gamera 3. The first time Ron saw Godzilla vs. Destroya was in 1999. He found the movie fun, and that the overall fear that the world may truly end was made clear. Cool special effects and a good plot carried the, mon- carried the movie well. Destroya was a tough, powerful, and terrifying monster, and Godzilla's meltdown still brings a tear to his eye. On a scale of 1 to 10, Ron gives this movie an 8. Let's hope when Legendary Pictures releases their Godzilla movie that Godzilla vs. Destroya will get a true DVD release. And last but not least, Robert loves Godzilla vs. Destroya. It's just great storytelling. He loves all the cameo reveal shots from Momoki from Momoko Kochi to Masahiro Takashima. The story keeps you hooked from the very beginning, with burning Godzilla smashing Hong Kong to the very last seconds when he finally melts down. Destroya is one of the best foes for Godzilla. The way he grows and morphs is just too cool. The movie has a real sense of danger that some other Godzilla movies lack. Because you know Godzilla is going to die, you just don't know how or when. The flick is definitely one of Godzilla's best And that wraps up our Daikaiju discussion for this month. Thank you to everybody who submitted their homework. You guys are awesome. And uh, if you want to be involved in next month's, a.k.a. the very first Daikaiju discussion of of 2012 for January, that film is going to be Godzilla, Mothra, Mechagodzilla, Tokyo SOS. Now, normally I say make sure you turn your homework in before the last week of the month, but January's last week is sort of a short week. It ends on Tuesday. So let's make the due date for Tokyo SOS's homework being turned in on the 22nd, and then we'll record somewhere between the 23rd and the 27th. It's a really good movie, and if you haven't seen it, you really owe it to yourself because it's pretty much one of the better movies, especially in the Millennium series, in my opinion. And uh, we're going to be talking about that. I'm sure Tiger's going to be really uh, interested in being involved with that because that's actually his favorite Godzilla movie. Now, since my parents are actually downstairs and uh, everybody's kind of waiting on me to finish doing this so we can get moving and and do some kind of holiday stuff, we're going to go ahead and move into Godzilla news. This is United Nations reporter Eric Carter with the news. The world is stunned to discover that prehistoric creatures exist in the 20th century. The armies have been alerted as we wait for more news from Japan. So at first I thought there wasn't any news to cover, um, and then I started doing a little bit more research, and uh, the biggest thing, which is actually has a worldwide impact, is that uh, the dictator of North Korea, Kim Jong-il, died. Um, why does that matter? You may be asking yourself. Well, if you didn't know this, Kim Jong-il is actually a fan of giant monster movies, and um, somewhere around like 1984 or 1985, he kidnapped two directors or a husband-wife duo in from South Korea and um, had them produce uh, and direct a Korean monster movie called Polgasari. I haven't watched it yet, but we're going to watch it. It's uh, part of the Daikaiju discussions for, I believe, sometime next year. I'm not exactly sure about that. It's kind of an interesting story, and it's just kind of a weird thing for, for a dictator to have done. And uh, if you want to read more about it, I'm going to have a link on the show notes, in the show notes, to a, a website called mentalfloss.com where they sort of have a an article about that. Um, also, another blog article uh, that I thought I'd talk about is there's a website called Crunchyroll. And um, I, I want to make sure that you guys understand that I don't put a lot of stock into this this uh, news story. The only reason I'm I'm even mentioning it is because it has to do with Toho and Ashiro Honda. Um, according to Crunchyroll, the family of Ashiro Honda is actually suing Toho. Um, I am not trying to disparage their efforts, but uh, this is the only reference on the internet to to this story. I at least I could find. I didn't do that much research, but this is kind of a a twist because if this is actually happening, Toho is usually the people that. Uh, to everyone else. So I'll be interested to find out if this uh, litigation is actually legitimate. Godzilla Legends number two was released this month. I don't have a lot to say about it. It was fun and it was about Rodan, one of my favorite monsters. So of course I enjoyed it. Plus 
Uh, Rodan in this comic is, um, which is obviously a one shot issue. Rodan is a monster and he is tearing um, it up. Uh, and it's an enjoyable read as far as I'm concerned. Godzilla Kingdom of Monsters 10 also came out. I believe it was last week. And uh, so far, I'm liking the new writer's work, although I really don't know how noticeable his contributions are just yet. Regardless, it seems that we are out of the socio-politico-pop culture bashing and really focusing on humanity's survival and, of course, what everyone else wants to read, the monster action. In personal news, I was able to... uh, get a hold of one of the SH Monster Arts Godzilla figures um, thanks to my friend Cindy at Things From Another World. They have them in stock and uh, despite the price tag of these bad boys this figure is awesome! Oh man, it's got um, so much articulation and it's the Heisei Godzilla which is of course what I consider to be the basis for a good Godzilla design. I would be totally okay if uh, Legendary Pictures just basically made their own version of the Heisei design. And um, I'm sitting here playing with it right now. Uh, it doesn't... This is this is a sort of like a spawn action figure in the, in the, in the respect that it's it's got a lot of points of articulation, but it doesn't feel like something that you can just trash and have it be okay. I'm, I am a little bit afraid of breaking it. If you are waiting for, uh, for some kind of review to, to, to check this out, I actually watched a review... Uh, to buy this figure, excuse me. I actually watched a review on YouTube where a guy was sort of giving this the the full treatment of a toy reviewer, which I am not. So I will have a link in the show notes to that just in case anybody's interested in, in checking it out. Um, it's a beautiful figure. And uh, if, if, you have the, if you have the scratch for it, I'd say it's worth it. It's definitely a smaller one. It's not as big as the 8-inch figures. It's a 6-inch scale. So it should technically look okay with uh you know some of the monster the monster line the lineup from the 1999's toy toy releases anyway uh i digress check that out if you're interested moving on to local events january 6th court and fat boys midnight movie uh at the baghdad is going to be et the extraterrestrial january 10th and 24th of course geek trivia at the kennedy school hosted by court and fat boy will be going down. They just had it actually last night because today is Wednesday for me and this is the first one that I voluntarily missed. Uh, it seemed like our entire team was out of town for the holidays and um, I missed a good one. So <laughs> unfortunately, it seemed like it was a lot of fun. But uh, I'm going to move on because January 15th, the video game quiz show is going to be at Ground Control. January 18th, the Double Clicks, which um, I want to say... Mm, let's say November, the last, I think it's the last episode of November. I played the Double Clicks Godzilla song at the end of the episode. They're playing at Backspace. And um, last but not least, on January 21st, the Mythbusters Behind the Myths Tour is coming to the Keller Auditorium, which um, I'm going to try and go to that. I'm, I don't know if it's all sold out or not, but all of these will have links in the show notes for those interested in attending. I want to congratulate Heather Brask, co-host Heather Brask, and uh, sometimes guest and some of my best friends, these two guys. They just got married after Geek Trivia last, the last Geek Trivia, the one on the 13th. And so everybody, you know, shout out a giant huzzah to them because it was awesome. I think that's going to do it, you guys. Um, I mean, as I said at the top of the show, uh, the big announcement for 2012 was that the Kaiju Cast is going to start doing some movie commentaries. So, uh... I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna start with some of my favorite movies, but I might put some polls out there on the KaijuCast website and sort of find out what movies you guys would be interested in hearing. The plan, as I said before, is to have like three people, including myself, basically sit there and have fun during the movie and share some interesting factoids, and uh, it should be it should be a fun experience. And hopefully, it goes over well because that you know I think people should enjoy it commentaries are cool and i'm not going to really step on any toes of any of the uh, other commentators that are out there like ed gojishuski whose name i just butchered and steve rifle and uh, all those guys on the classic media discs that's going to really do it so if you found the kaiju cast through itunes or some other podcast directory and want to experience you know everything that is kaiju castosity that's a word i just made up point your web browsers your web browsers to 
kaijucast.com where you can see every single episode we've done the show notes for all those episodes uh, there's links to the Facebook and the Twitter just great stuff you guys great stuff on there uh, if you are on Twitter or are on Facebook make sure you are following liking etc those uh, those terms for the kaijucast it's facebook.com slash kaijucast and twitter.com uh, which is at kaijucast there too I'm uh, gonna go ahead and close out the show with a song that I don't really think I've played since the first year either, and it's a good way to sort of end 2011, which has been a crazy, awesome, fun year for the Kaiju Cast. Um, we'll see you next month. I'm not exactly sure what we're going to be doing for the first episode of 2012, but make sure you turn your homework in before January 22nd if you want to get in on the Daikaiju discussion for Godzilla, Mothra, Mecha Godzilla. Tokyo SOS. This is uh, Zebrahead's Godzilla vs. Tokyo. See you next year. Yamata.